the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Smile Power Day, everyone. I am so happy that you're all here with us. Uh, hello, Cherry. Hello, Alan. I have five incredible people waiting in the wings, and I am so excited about this show today. I am so excited that each and every one of them, and they're all blonde, each and every one of them said yes, and that's the magic of this show because I never know where it's going to take me. Uh, I never know what's going to happen. I never know who's going to show up. So when I reach out and people say yes, that's what it's all about, saying yes. So Sherry, before the show started, I asked Sherry to pick a number, one through five. She's our resident astrologist, and she always knows the right number to pick. So there are five people, like, let's make a deal. They're all waiting, and none of them know who I'm waiting to pull on. So everyone nod that you're all ready, and I'm going to pull on door number three, and that is Gina Zoman. Hello, and you're muted. So unmute yourself and let's get started. Yay. Yay, you're here. So first of all, I want to ask you, who or what are you celebrating today? And I think I know the answer. I'm celebrating my new CD. There we go. I just uh, produced it and started it anywhere with you. And uh, I'm excited about uh, the upcoming shows I'm doing. I'm booked in three musicals at the Palm Canyon Theater in this next coming season, 2023-24. I have two one-woman shows I'm touring with. And I'm just excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here. And all of that information, by the way, uh, will be on the YouTube channel so that it'll be easy for people to be able uh, to find you, not only uh, to go and purchase the CD, see you live, uh, to be able to do uh, all the things uh, related to you and what's coming up. Um, tell us a little bit about the CD and how this CD came about. Well, I had taken a break from show business and moved up north to Idaho, and then my relationship ended, and I was kind of floundering. I eventually found my way to my old music director, Stephen Applegate, and I was singing, and I thought, this feels so good. Wait a minute. Stephen Applegate is your musical director? Yes, he is. He, you know, he used to play for me in, in Malibu. I believe you. He's pro very prolific. Oh, oh I, I hope he's watching. Stephen, I love Stephen Applegate. I love him too. We were having so much fun. I said, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I want to commit these songs I've sung throughout my career since 1986. I want to commit them to, to a CD. So we uh, went through all the songs. We went through 40 songs that I had done in my shows that I had done repeatedly. And we honed it down to 14. And then of the 14 that we recorded, we kept 12. The other two will probably be on the next CD. And the 12, we kept telling the story of uh, my life and what's what these pivotal moments are. They they sing my history and they sing my true feelings. And uh, 
I guess people liked it because the reviews have been really, really wonderful. Well, all those things are, uh, you know, create smiles. I mean, that's what today is about. It's what, what, what makes you smile. And yeah, I, it's funny. I had an interview this morning. I was being interviewed uh, for my upcoming show because I am just getting back to doing live performing again uh, after COVID and, you know, and that's slowing everything down. Um, did it did it take you a while to get your sea uh, legs, if you will, uh, to where you felt comfortable uh, being either behind the microphone or in front of an audience again? Well, that's a very good question. I, uh, I got my sea legs on stage really quickly because I'm one of those people that comes alive on stage. It's, it's, uh, I feel love on stage. I feel free. I feel accepted. I feel at home there. So it's a wonderful love fest for me to be performing because I love the audience and I feel the love from them. And it really is, it's kind of addictive. It's something that if you haven't had it for a while, even feels better than you remember it feeling. So that was easy for me, but I didn't have that much experience in the studio. I'm a live act. I like to interface with my audience. I feed off the audience. So I didn't know how it would translate, but it's interesting because all my stage experience contributed to the vibrancy of my recording because the recording process is sterile. You're in a booth, you're separated from the other musicians. You're often singing to tracks that have been pre-recorded, mm-hmm. and uh, you're you're doing something over and over again, punching in a line here, punching in a phrase there. So if you can't, if you don't have the experience in, of being in front of a live audience, you can't bring that to the party and make it alive, because there's also no audience in the th- in the studio. So. I relied on my experience of being with an audience to bring that joy and that vibrancy and that aliveness to the recordings. And that was my secret weapon, I think. And that's why I I, I think I did a good job. Well, there's something that you said that I want to go back to. You said these songs really are pretty much the soundtrack of your life. Uh, I uh, am old enough to remember going into record stores and going through the record bins and getting albums and everything. And I really love the idea of listening to an album or now a CD uh, from start to finish. And that's very rarely done these days. So what do you hope that audiences that purchase your CD, and hopefully many are going to do that, uh, what is your hope that they will come away from uh, those who do know you and those who don't know you uh, by listening to the CD? Well, I really wish for everyone that listens that they find true love because it's a context. It's like the you're the painting, but it's the frame. And it can really enhance you so much and bring layers of joy to your life. And if you're not in love, I wish for you to find it because that's the thrust of my album is I want to be anywhere my boyfriend is, anywhere with you is the title of the CD. And whether we're in Timbuktu on the Spanish steps of Rome or anywhere place you name, I'll always feel just the same as long as I can be there anywhere with you. So that's what I want people to see that through the ups and downs, the love, the loss, that if you can find love, it really enhances your life and it makes everything worthwhile. 
So the idea is that everybody can take G uh, Gina Zoman home with them tonight. <laughs> with the CD. With the CD. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to bring on our next guest in just a moment. But before we do, I've got five mystery cards laid out. So you get to pull a card, one through five. I don't even know what they are. And uh, we're going to find out uh, a little bit more about you beyond the CD. So pull the number one through five. Two. And the card is, what is the thing that you just can't let go of? And what needs to happen for you to release it forever? And let's talk specifically. Well, uh, I'm just going to leave it as it is. So what's the one thing that you are having trouble letting go of? Well, that's awfully profound, that question. It's right on the nose for me. I I had a troublesome relationship with my mother. She was, I'm half Italian. My father's Italian. My mother's uh, German English. And she was kind of a cold fish. And I was born more favoring my father's side. So I got a lot of the warmth I wanted from my dad. But my mom was kind of like, all business and organization and doing a lot of crafts and stuff. She was always busy, busy, busy. So I think uh, I would like to let go of like that not being okay. That's who she was. It wasn't personal to me. My mom did a great job as being a mother. She was a fantastic mother in many ways, but she wasn't like my dad. She wasn't warm and fuzzy. So I, I'd like to move beyond that and say that was fine and go on from there. She gave me a lot of life skills. She taught me to do a lot of things. And uh, she was a great role model in many ways. Well, I'm going to recommend a great book for you. Uh, my friend Natasha Lombardi is here. And she's part of a book group that I led. Uh, and we just finished uh, The Four Agreements. And I don't know if oh, you've read that. I love so that. You know the two of the agreements are never take it personally. And it's not about you. Uh, so we're going to let you bring on our next guest. So pull the number one through four. Everyone be ready. Number four. And that is, my, well... She's actually a true friend of mine, and that is Marilyn Lester. And this is a woman who wears so many <laughs> here in New York. I am lucky that she was available to be here today. Uh, and I know you've got a big event coming up celebrating Tin Pan Alley, which mm -hmm. we're going to talk about in a moment. But who or what are you celebrating today, Marilyn? Well, I'm, I'm celebrating exactly what you said, that I get to do so many things. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a, as you know, and I don't know if your audience knows, I'm a writer, a reviewer, and a creative producer. And actually, those things just came together for me on Monday. I'm the secretary of the American Popular Song Society, and we just had a big gala that celebrated Marilyn May. We gave her a, you know, an, a, an achievement award. And I do one of the things I love to do is herd the talent. I won't exactly call myself a stage manager, but I love to herd people from backstage onto the stage. So um, I performed that function. And I realized that I was thanking them afterward. And I realized that we had 22 performers, I think nine different pianists. Mm -hmm. And I see my, oh, there we go. And nine different pianists. And I wrote them afterwards, a personal thank you. And I, and I realized I had written about every single one of them in my career. And it gives me joy to uh, promote talent, to write about talent, to to review a show and, and point out, and these people are just so immensely talented. And then I realized I wrote about them and now I'm working with them to produce something that is a performance. And it just all came together and it made me really happy. So that's what I'm celebrating. 
Well, where did it all begin for you, Marilyn? I mean, how did you get involved in, you were so involved in the cabaret community. Uh, you have been on many boards. Uh, you and I have been on boards together. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So uh, how did it all get started for you? Weirdly. <laughs> I'm a jur I, I mean, my training is in journalism, but I always had theater friends. And I used to sort of do a side hustle of working with some of my theater friends. This is going back years and years. But it was mostly, mostly freelance writing. Mm -hmm. And um, then I married an actor and sort of gotten more into it. I remember um, one day he said to me, this is ages ago, he said, can you write me a play? And I said, sure. So I did. So we started self-producing and I sort of then crept into the theater world. And um, eventually I was working with Earl Wilson Jr. for a long time. Wow. And I got into his world and met Bob Bloom and a whole bunch of people. And that kind of brought me into the cabaret world, which I'd always been a, you know, a, a, um, a proponent of. I'd gone as a, you know, to shows as a civilian, but I sort of then kind of, you know, the path took me into writing about it. Well, and, uh, all the hats that you wear, is there one hat that you feel that you wear more comfortably than others? You know, I love it all. I really love it all. It's, uh, you know, kid in a candy store. I love that answer. <laughs> that's great. Tell us about the event, uh, the 10 Pan Alley event. That's well, out. yeah. So um, actually through the American Popular Song Society, Jerry Osterberg, who was then the, uh, was on the board, was then the newsletter editor, and I was his co-editor had heard from George Calderaro, who I think was on your show last week. Last week. And George um, is sort of the founder of the, this is long, the Tin Pan Alley American Popular Music Project. Right. And George had found Jerry. And Jerry said, can you write about them? And I said, sure. So I spoke with George, it's like two summers ago. And I said, okay, now I've got to be part of this. This is like totally in my wheelhouse. So I started working with that group. We got our 501c3, um, oh, six months ago or so. I'm on that board. I'm the VP and the program chair, producing director. And so we're, you know, again, happiness, producing bunches of things. Tomorrow night on the pier, the Christopher Street Pier, it's at um, Pier 45. And... It's a, one of those long babies that goes out into the pier. We're producing uh, a night on the pier with Danny Backer and a, and a set, septet of musicians and the fabulous A.C. Lincoln, who is a dancer, a tap dancer and a singer. And we're going to do two hours of music. Um, some tin, you know, Tin Pan Alley is a very broad term. So some old kind of music, Beale Street Blues, that sort of thing, some more modern so songbook standards. So we're really looking forward to. And correct me, it, but this is a free event. It is a free event. Yes. Yes. It's you know, intense. Try to get there tomorrow night. I'd love yeah, to. Seven o'clock to nine o'clock, yes. and uh, we need all the, the gods to you know to keep the clouds away. And the smoke. And oh God, in the smoke. Exactly. Well, no, it's now in the Midwest, and I hear it's coming back. Yeah. So let's keep our fingers. Yeah. So I, we're going to bring on our next guest in just a moment. But before we do, uh, there are four cards left. So pick a number one through four. Four. And your question is, uh, what triggers you? How can you transform your response in this area? What triggers me? Oh, my. Well, 
That's that's an interesting one. Um, I've you know I've worked a lot on me over the years, and the uh, you know those rules don't take it personally, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I try not to have an ego, but every once in a while somebody will do or say something, and uh, the ego is attacked. And I try to get perspective on it and say, you know, get over your bad self. Well, someone gave me a great uh, definition of yeah, ego. So less and less as I get older, but yeah. Someone said, ego is edging God out. And I like that. So, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and yeah, I some truth. In. So I'm going to let you pull up our next guest, uh, number one through three. Uh, I love this because they don't know who's coming on next. Pick a number, one through three. Me? Yes. Okay, uh, one. Do we have one? Oh, one. Okay, well, one. Uh, I am very excited because I get Google alerts for a little show called Hello, You Know Who. Uh, I'm writing a book celebrating a lot of, uh, many of the women and a few good men, our dear friend Leroy Reams. I flew to Florida to see him play Dolly Levi. Uh, but there is an amazing production that's happening right now. Look at that photograph. And the one and only Dolly is here right now. Everyone sing together. Hello, Bobby. Hello, Hello Bobby. Bobby. Bobby, you are <laughs> muted. So unmute yourself. Can you imagine Dolly being muted? No, 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 no. no. You cannot <laughs> mute her. So, Bobby, I, first of all, today is National uh, uh, Smile Power Day, as okay. we all are celebrating. But what I love about your website is on your website, you actually have things that make you happy. They're, they're written right out there. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, time spent with your father, listening to great music, all these things. What inspired you to put that on your website? Um, the older I get, the more authentic I want to be me. And when I met uh, Michael Holmes, did my website with me, and he encouraged the same. Please say hello to him for me. I will. I love these names that are popping up that, you know, I, see, I, I, I love Michael and I miss him. Yeah. yeah. You can see him on TV now. Um, yes. But now he's got a little baby. Uh, he does. Wow. He does. He and his wife had a baby. Wow. That's what happens during COVID. You get busy. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, um, um, but it, I wanted to share. It, mm -hmm. So many times, especially women, can be told to just shut up. Um, uh, and uh, I'm learning how to speak who I am. And it's been kind of amazing to see that it brings joy to so many people just to say who I am. And that truly is who Dolly Levi is and was. Yeah. And will always be. Always be. So many women, and as I said, a few good men have had the good fortune to play Dolly. What makes Dolly unique to you? Um, she makes the uniqueness about her. And I had a long time to study her because I got hired. I'm going to backtrack a little second. December 27th of 2019, I got hired to play Dolly in the upcoming season at Village Theater, and um, then COVID hit. So I've spent the past three years digging deeper into who she is and what the script says and what um, Thornton Wilder and what Michael Stewart have really made clear in the script that isn't always done. And what I focus on too, is that she's a woman who is struggling. She's been in a deep, she's been in despair. She's been depressed. Oop, we lost. Uh, well, I think she's right here. I'm going to bring her right back. Great. great. Okay. Mr. Gina. <laughs> um, 
But she, even though she's struggling and she's living hand to mouth, she goes forward with the hope that life is just around the corner and being kind and compassionate to everyone in her view is how she goes through the world. No matter how much she's hurting, she loves. Was Dolly a bucket list item for you to play someday? You know, yes. And I'm going to tell a little story. Because 17 years ago, I was in the show playing Ernestina, if you're familiar with that character. Uh, and I was Dolly's understudy. Wonderful Peggy O'Connell played her. Um, and it was, I think, our second week of the run was the last show of the week, eight shows a week. And um, she lost her voice right during Put On Your Sunday Clothes, which is in the beginning of the first act. Yeah. So I remember being off stage, right, backup singing, as you usually do backstage. You sing, put on your Sunday clothes when you feel down and out. And she's across the on stage left doing this to me. And I went, throw down the street and have your picture took. And she starts doing this. That Sunday shine is a certain sign that you feel as fine as you look. Oh. So I went off stage. The assistant stage manager said, can you go on? I said, yes, just be stage left for those monologues just in case I slip up. And the beat scene, the dinner scene, I'm still a little wonky on, but let's go. So it was mid-show that the stage manager said, ladies and gentlemen, our Dahlia Levi has lost her voice. However, her understudy is here. Please give us 10 minutes. So I came back on stage. I was in a costume I'd never remember trying on and went in right into, <laughs> into the very farcical scene in the hat shop where there are people running all over under tables, indoors. Um, so I got to do the show shot out of a cannon 17 years ago. Um, so I loved her and I wanted to play her, but I like the ego. I don't put the ego first. I go, whatever is in front of me, I'll take. And if Dolly comes up, yes. So she asked. Uh, sorry. I will a share a little story with everyone. Uh, Betty Grable, when she was doing Dolly in Vegas, uh, Betty Grable uh, had throat cancer and she actually uh, succumbed to throat cancer. And she had throat cancer when she was doing Dolly, so she had to be heavily mic'd while she was doing the show. And her standby, uh, Annie Russell, who is still with us, um, would have to go on many times mid-show and finish the show. Mm. Uh, Betty Grable would show up because the audiences wanted to see Betty Grable, uh, but uh, they loved uh, Annie Russell, so she would come on and finish the show. So that's yeah. the fortitude of Dolly Levi, you know, uh, getting out there and leading the parade. So uh, is there a favorite moment that resonates the most with you in the show? Sure. Oh, there's several. Sometimes it's when the audience reacts. Uh, and I didn't expect what they, there was a giggler in the audience, a little eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid giggling. That day was my favorite. That was May 31st. Um, I was doing, there's a food bit that's improv in, in the show. And the, this kid just went nuts. All of a sudden I realized I was that kid's Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett's one of my yes. you know, mentors that she doesn't know who the heck I am, but I trained with her just by watching her every Sunday night or Saturday. Anyway, that was one of my favorites, but the, there are so many. The one that our show found is the scene between myself and Mrs. Rose which is usually a throwaway scene. If you, if you, uh, Marilyn or Gina, remember this, they, there's a woman who comes on and talks about, oh, you haven't been here for a long time, Dolly. 
you haven't lived here for a long time. Well, the actress in our production has chosen uh, her heritage is Korean, and she's chosen to be a woman of Korean descent who has was a good friend of Dolly's. And she, we sit down and we talk. We have the moment together on a bench about how I haven't lived here. I haven't lived for here for so long, and that key element puts me into Ephraim. Let me go. There's a moment there where she is broken. Dolly doesn't have any joy left. And she's reaching up to the dead man in her life that she talks to all the time. And that is a turning point for me when I realize that I have to step into life. I've got a taste. I have to convince myself to get back into life again. That's where the arc of parade just Absolutely. shines. That's she's at the depth and then she reaches with the courage she claims before the parade passes by. I'm going to live it. I'm going to live life. Well, that's wonderful. We're going to bring on our next guest. Uh, but before we do, you get to pull a question one through three. Three, please. And three is, uh, what's getting in the way of you being exactly who you want to be? Fear. Fear of discomfort. Mm-hmm. The biggie. That's the biggie for yeah. all of us. For all of us. You know, I was reading an article the other day. And it said, so you don't hit that high note? You don't get that dance move? So what? That audience has come to see you, and they could care less. They love you. They, you know, and they're going to go, oh, well, she didn't hit the note tonight. We still love her. We still love her. So go with it. Go with it. We're going to bring on our next guest. You are going to bring on our next guest. So pull the number one through two. Two, please. Okay. Well, I'm actually going to show a little film clip. Uh, because, uh, well, first of all, I have to say that uh, recently, uh, just a few days ago, uh, was Judy Garland's uh, birthday, 101st birthday. And Judy resonates very deeply in my life on many levels. And it was Judy Garland who brought our next guest into my life. And you will see why in just a moment. Uh, here's a little uh, glimpse into her world as Judy Garland. found you just in time. So I put on a very pretty bed jacket and I, a lot of makeup and I posed against the pillow. Make someone happy. Make just one someone happy. San Francisco Nancy, it's a shame you can't sing. <laughs> uh, and you're muted. Uh, just to let everybody know, you don't need to mute yourself when you're off camera. So uh, we, we bring you on. So unmute yourself so we can hear you. Am I unmuted now? You're unmuted now, thank God. So, and you look very different. 
Well, I'm a blonde in real life. I was actually born a blonde, but um, I put that wig on it. It's so funny. It's so convincing that I, you know, I guess, I don't know, brown. Uh, I have a good wig. That does make a difference for all of us that are on stage now. But um, I adore Judy Garland. I, I was born to play her in some way as, as, as a vessel, as are many women uh, in the theater world and who have played her before. But I started playing her. My very first uh, musical theater professional role was the role of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz at the Little Theater on the Square in Sullivan, Illinois. And then at Opryland USA, I was hired with my audition piece, and that's where I worked with Jeff Harner. Jeff Harner. I, I, wow. played, uh, I played Dorothy, and then we did a television show in Hawaii where I played and sang her. And Sam Harris was also in that show, if you all know who Sam is. Yeah. Um, and so, and then I did not play her, well, I played her in a review called Heavenly Evening, which was written by my late uh, musical director. And then uh, after an extremely long hiatus of, of not doing musical theater, but doing concerts and recording and doing other artistic things, I returned to the theater in 2015 for the Chicago debut of The Boy From Oz, which was uh, a role with... Uh, you know, the Hugh Jackman portrayed on Broadway, Peter Allen's life. So once I played her there, then I started continuing to play her in this review, which is the recreation of the concert. Uh, the only time she ever performed live on a concert stage with her daughter, Liza, was at the London Palladium in November of 1964. Uh, so let me show them. You actually do this with your daughter. And uh, we have a uh, we have a clip also of you. Oh. This is her actual daughter uh, <laughs> coming together as Judy and Liza. Here they are. Ruthie and Ruthin, all out or all in, and whether it's win, plays or show. For me and me for you, we'll model through whatever we do together, wherever we go. Golly gee, mama, I would like to only be mama. Hey, we're never gonna go away. Can't you see we're really here to stay? I would like, we ain't even got a sister, a brother, but ain't it just great, and ain't it just grass? We got each other, oh, happy days, come on, get happy, are here again, we're gonna chase all your cares away, are clear again, shout hallelujah, so let's sing a song, just get happy, I'll cheer again, get happy ready for the Sun is shining all together. Come on, get happy. Out it now. The Lord is waiting to take your hand. Who could doubt it now? Shout hallelujah. So let's sing a song. Get happy. What is that like to share that experience with your daughter? Well, it is incredible. We're talking about celebrations. Now, we did it last year. We had a couple of shows on Mother's Day weekend. And so we're doing it again this weekend at the Skokie Theater. And I can't even explain it. It, it is the most 
euphoric experience. And I think Judy probably felt this with Liza. Liza was only 18. And this was really the first time she was in front of a grand audience. And I can only imagine how Judy must have felt. But when you're looking at your own daughter and you, you, you try to be objective, but you realize there's talent there and you're so proud. And at the same time, you're singing together and those harmonies are together. It's just really, uh, I don't know, a very unique experience. I feel super, super blessed uh, that I get a chance to do that. And I'm excited about it because we have a show in two days. So we're That's excited about that. And the information is there. And like I said, uh, all this information is going to be on the YouTube channel as well. We want to bring on our next guest who's been waiting so patiently in the wings. Um, and then we're going to have a little fun with everybody about, uh, we're going to talk about creativity and what makes us all smile and everything. And uh, But there are two questions left. So uh, pick one or two. Me? Okay. Yes. Uh, I'll pick two. And your question is, What's something that you learned about yourself in the last three months? I've learned that I can fully immerse myself in my country music, which is my original music. And I perform with my country band as an opening act for some main people in country and line dance music. And then I can turn around and portray Judy Garland or another role and immerse myself in that just as much and enjoy the diversity within the performing arts that I feel blessed to be able to, to do. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, there's a there's a theme going on here, whether you all know it or not, and that theme is that we are all interconnected. And I believe, you know, and Nancy, you and I, when we spoke on the phone the other day, and you said this a couple of, you said we can talk forever because we, so many people that you and I know, Bobby, you've mentioned people that I know, Gina, you've mentioned people that I know, Marilyn, our paths are cro uh, constantly crossing. So I received a friend request just a couple of days ago and, uh, and from a real, honest-to-God prince. Uh, and he is the prince of Palm Springs. And I immediately asked him to come on. And he said, yes, uh, Prince Fleet Easton is here. And we were, uh, he has a star on the Palm Springs Walk of Fame. There it is. He is two stars away from... Carol. My dear friend, Carol Channing. Oh, wow. <laughs> this photograph was taken the day that she got her star. I was staying with Carol, and I was with her, and we were literally standing next to each other at this event, and we didn't even know each other at the same time. And wow. we both have great taste in jackets. Yes. <laughs> I am so glad, uh, Fleet, it, it is such an honor to meet you. Um, I've been delving in, you know, every major event in Palm Springs is not a major event without you. Yes. Well, you know, I moved here 16 years ago from Florida. Um, I did a lot of movies and television in Florida and, and some also touring with uh, shows, uh, stage shows. And uh, I did a lot of charity events here in Palm Springs, all pretty close to 200. So actually, they started calling me the Prince of Palm Springs, and we tried to get it sanctioned by the city, and it wasn't working out. So I had a real prince come and make me the Prince of Palm Springs. Plus, they loved me so much, they adopted me into their family and made me a prince. So I am a prince 
and a prince. Well, God knows there are a lot of queens in Palm Springs. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm so. the only prince. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only prince. That's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> so lucky you. And you also, and Nancy, uh, Nancy sent me a photograph of her and Carol together. And mm-hmm. then I sent Nancy a photograph of Carol wearing the same sweater with me. So it's like these connections are all here. I do believe that we are all six degrees, forget six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. It's all six degrees of Richard Skipper. There you go. So I, Palm Springs is truly one of my favorite places on the planet. Uh, To me, it's heaven on earth. Uh, I love the people there. I love the energy there. Um, Did you immediately feel at home the minute you arrived in Palm Springs? Well, you know, it was really interesting because I was singing with a 52-piece orchestra in Florida, and I have a voice that guides me, and that's how I ended up here. Uh, While on stage singing for 5,000 people, the voice said, you must go to Palm Springs, California. You have to be there to meet the people who are going to take you to the next place in your life and career. I knew nobody here. I had five jobs. I had a television show. I was singing with an opera company. I was uh, also singing with an orchestra. I was starring in a theatrical production company, and I was giving reports on the shuttles for NASA. I walked away from all five jobs. I got in my car and drove 3,000 miles all by myself. Didn't know what was lying ahead of me, but I trusted the voice because it's always right, and it led me to my next destination, and it took me... So 2010, and then Hollywood started opening up, and then I started doing a lot of work in Hollywood. So it was all meant to be. I came in with it. Uh, we were, they were all talking about this. At five years old, I sang with my first orchestra, and I've never had a voice lesson in my life, and it was just always there. Um, I brought it in through reincarnation from somebody. Well, I believe, and I, you know, I said this in an interview this morning, I believe uh, I have this morning mix that I begin every day with. Mm-hmm. And they're all uh, songs from movies and uh, Broadway, uh, songs that make me feel good when I mm-hmm. hear them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have them on mix and, I, and that I begin every day with listening to this. Uh, and there are like probably 500 songs in this list. Uh, so I never know what's going to come up. Uh, and I believe that if everybody began every day with a show tune, mm-hmm. no strife in the world. Uh, I truly believe that. Um, I'm going to add, there's one question left by process of elimination. And the question is, uh, commit to solving a problem that's been bugging you for a while and give yourself a timeline. Is there something that's been bothering you for some time that you've been saying, I'm going to get to this, but you've been putting it on a back burner? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, I think, I probably maybe I should be a little more aggressive and assertive. I'm just very lucky that I don't go after anything. It just shows up at my doorstep. Um, I've reached a place. I am also an ordained spiritual minister. So as you were talking about the four agreements, so I, I, that's my life. I live a very spiritual life. And what I do is I just allow the universe to bring things to me and I love what I do. So everything that comes to me, I love, um, Probably if I was a little more assertive, I would be working 10 hours a day, but I don't want to work 10 hours a day. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy as the projects come one by one. You know, I have done as many as five shows all through uh, during a period of time, appearing in five different shows at once. 
my mother used to say to me, how do you keep them all straight? I said, I don't know. I just, when I'm in that character, it just comes automatically. It's organic. I don't think about it. It's just there. Now, when I move over to the other one, it's just there. So I keep, I don't know, they're uh, compartmentalized in my brain and... That's wonderful. But I should be more sort of assertive. Yeah, I should be. Well, I want everyone to make sure you're unmuted because we're going to, I'm just going to have a little fun with all of you, I hope, and uh, we'll uh, talk with each of you. Um, today is uh, uh, Smile Power Day. Um, you know, it saddens me that we are living in uh, a world right now where people are too busy looking at their devices rather than smiling with one another. Um, all of you, when I put the photos together, all of you had these great smiles. And uh, and I said, I picked the right people for today. <clears throat> so I want to thank you all for being here. Marilyn, what truly makes you smile? <laughs> I can't not. <laughs> really, I know okay. it's weird. I've, I've, okay. you know, like I said, I was born with a smile. Um, I'll try not to get too boring, but about, I would say about 12 years ago or so, I was going through a very bad patch and I realized at some point I'm not smiling. I did, my mouth wouldn't do it, you know, but fortunately I returned to my normal self, which is smiling. (laughs) It just, it it brings joy, you know, I mean, you know, um, you talk about the spiritual life. Well, I feel like I have guidance as well. And And I just, uh, appreciate that so and it makes makes me smile so that's great same question bobby mm. giggles uh actually the children i love the fact that you said this kids giggle in the theater just yeah. it, it, and you remember the date i do it was it affected me because i lost my father when i was young wow. and he and i had a great relationship so um it's very important to me to connect with young people and brighten their life and know that that light needs to shine. Um, so giggling, just crack, uh, farting also makes me laugh. Sorry. <laughs> and sometimes a giggle will induce that. Gina, <laughs> <laughs> uh, same question. Well, I have a nine-month-old step-grandchild. I have a, a stepdaughter who had a son in October, and uh, she sends me photos almost every day. And I'm I'm absolutely besotted with this little boy. And uh, it's the first of, that I've ever had, uh, and I'm very close with my stepdaughters. And uh, it just, I didn't know I could be so happy. It, it's so beautiful. That's wonderful. I love that. Uh, Nancy. You know, I had the tremendous blessing of playing the role of Mame, which was my bucket list all-time favorite role. And her mantra is live, live, live. And Mm -hmm. I've always been a very driven, happy person. And I absolutely loved playing her and hopefully being her. And so she's really sort of ageless. And she's a Jerry Herman, you know, the score of Jerry Herman, who we know, of course, Hello, Dolly. Um, I just love that. I also just finished rehearsing the smile medley in our show, which is Judy Garland. And if you think about it, the words to that song um, are so joyous. And they talk about, you know, smile and uh, why you should be smiling. And I also want to portray Judy, the joy in Judy. I think there's been a lot of tragedy focused on her, particularly the Renee Zellweger movie. And I want through her music to bring that joy back and to have happy days because I think that's how she would want to be remembered. 
and celebrated. <laughs> well, Lorna, uh, uh, who I've interviewed, uh, said uh, that uh, Judy was not a tragic figure. Uh, and she does not want her to be remembered as a tragic figure. Uh, Fleet, same question. Yes. What, make, what makes me smile and happy? Yes. That I'm blessed to be able to do something that I absolutely love to do more than anything in life. You know, Michael Jackson used to say, the only time I feel alive is when I'm on stage. And I'm really glad that I am able to bring such joy and happiness to my audiences because that's, that's what it's all about. Each one of you here on this panel, I mean, you can see it in your faces and stuff. You know, we just, we just love what we do. And it brings it, it, like I said, I can't imagine doing anything else. I wouldn't want to do anything else in life. This no. is it. And Lorna, Lorna just lived down the street. Yeah. Not too far from, not too far from me. I was at the Oscars in Palm Springs. I would, if I had known you then, I would yeah. have seen you when I was in town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then I was going to say also people, because everybody's talking about Judy Garland. Well, if you want to check out with my new video, it's, it's a homage to Judy Garland. And it was written as that it's called Shine. So if anybody wants to check that out on my Facebook wall, it's on YouTube also, Prince Fleet East and my well, channel. Send me the link. I'll put it on the YouTube. Yeah. That'll yeah. Be and, and so I, I haven't heard from Liza yet to see if she likes it or not. Uh, we do keep in contact, but I'm kind of a little nervous of reaching out and going, what do you think? <laughs> well, get rid of the fear. Just <laughs> I know. My musical director, Robert Ollis, who's directing this show on Saturday and also the one we did in Palm Springs. Uh -huh. He and I met during Pride Films and Plays, Boy From Oz. Lives has a home in Palm Springs, and um, you all might see each other in various circles. He is absolutely fantastic. I know, I don't know if you guys, if you've ever played together, but you should no, know. But I was going to say, uh, Richard and I was talking, well, we've been talking the last few days. I mean, we know everybody. We all have the same connections. Uh, we've just, none of us have met, but we all know the same people, and we kind of run in the same circles, and it's like, in Hollywood, it's so funny, because it's a small community. I, I, run into people here in Palm Springs that know people that I know in Hollywood for years. And it's just, it's just a very small community. And eventually we're going to meet somewhere. And I think being in Palm Springs, there's a lot of Broadway folks that have moved to there. Yes. Yes. And uh, you know, another connection was Michael Magacy. I mentioned the very first wow. show I ever performed in was, uh, you know, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. He was the whiz. Uh, he played the wizard in that show, uh -huh. <laughs> production. And so, and I know you guys know him too. I mean, it's an incredibly small world. Well, Michael was scheduled to play for me in Palm Springs, which I'm doing on August 5th, everyone, if you're watching. Uh, and, uh, but unfortunately he, uh, he got booked, which I'm happy about, uh, at Surflight Theater. He's gonna be doing Dangerous, uh, 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 no, Disaster, Disaster by Seth Rudetsky. And he's also gonna be doing Grumpy Old Men, playing parts, which is, his ultimate goal, and I'm very happy for him. So I've, uh, as uh, we've all discussed a little bit, I also am a very spiritual person, and I read a lot of books uh, combining uh, creativity and spirituality together. So I have pulled uh, five random questions uh, that have to do with creativity okay. that I'm going to just uh, pull for each of you uh, as we wrap up the show today. And I'm going to start with you, Marilyn. And it says, what is the biggest challenge that you have faced in your career? And how did you get through that challenge? Ah, still facing it, Richard. <laughs> 
And that's, and that's to give myself more credit than I do. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, for example, someone will come up to me and say, I read your review about blah, 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 blah. And I go, you read it? You actually read what I wrote? You know, so that is sort of an you know, example of how I really need to give myself more, you know, more pets on the head. There are only two words that you need to know. I'm sorry? There are only two words that you need to know. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So replace that. Uh, yep. Bobby, um, what are you most grateful for in your career? My mentors that see me. Steve Tompkins was one who was a director at a theater here. He saw me in 91 at an audition and knew there was something deep in there. And that was the time I was going through a divorce. So my heart was a bit broken and busted, but he saw the good and kept giving me opportunities. And I kept growing and that brought to me to New York and that brought me a solid career here in the Seattle area. So mentors. That's great. That's wonderful. My mentor was Florence Epps. Here she is when she was a young actress. And uh, and this is the only thing, uh, uh, Flea, I'll share this. Uh, this is the only thing that I've ever stolen in my life. <laughs> when I found out that her house was being sold, I happened to be in my hometown and my sister and I went to the house and there was a box of photographs. And I asked if I could take a few. And the realtor said, no, they belong to the house. And I had my sister distract and I went through and I pulled that photograph and it hangs over my desk. And because I knew that they would have been thrown away otherwise. Okay. Anyone buying the house is not going to have the love that I had for Miss Florence Epps, who believed in me. She was the one when everybody was saying, you're not going to go to New York. You know, you'll be back in three months. She said, go and follow your dreams. <clears throat> so thank you for mentioning the mentors. Um, Gina, what is the most valuable lesson that uh, you have learned from an important mentor in your life? Oh, that's a really good question, I think. Well, uh, this may not make sense, but my dad used to tell me, you got to let other people win. It's not about you winning all the time. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, I can be very competitive, but I've got to be more considerate, uh, to, I think, to be considerate of what other people are experiencing and let them win, too. You, you've given me uh, part of my closing comments today, so thank you for that. Um, so, Nancy, if you meet someone uh, at a cocktail party and they come up to you and they go, who are you? Really? How would you answer that question? I'm a mom of four. I'm a businesswoman. I'm an entertainer. And hopefully I am a great friend. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I have the good fortune of having been able to have a career and a wonderful family. And I have a wonderful husband who's not in show business. And it really has been a support to me. He always had health insurance and he always supported everything I did and it gave me the freedom to pursue what I love with all my heart. And I love him with all my heart because he allowed me to do that. So um, I'm grateful for that. And that's part of who I am too. So and I'm grateful I get to meet all of you. This has just oh, been a blessing. Great. I'm kidding. And you're also back on the show at other times. I have one more question though. We've got yes. one from Seattle, one, one, two from California 
and then you two in New York, right? And I'm in yes. Chicago. So we're representing coast to coast. The entire uh, uh, United States today. And we are united, everyone. Uh, so, uh, Fleet, uh, yes. what one test did you take uh, this week uh, in uh, terms of your career that has moved you forward? Well, as you probably saw on my Facebook wall, I just I just got out of the hospital. Me too. And uh, yeah, I had my wall hacked, and I lost ten uh, five thousand followers, ten thousand pictures. I thought I had it all handled. They were posting porn. They were trying to destroy my reputation and career. They were extorting me. They were trying to get $5,000 out of me to give them my wall account back. So it put me in the hospital. And what it did was everything is a blessing. And there's a lesson in there. I said to the universe, okay, what is this all about? Why is this happening? And it said, you will come out of this bigger, stronger, and better, because you're going to learn how to handle things as your career keeps climbing, because everyone is not going to love you. And that was another thing that I always had an issue with. I wanted everybody to love me. And when people didn't like me, I couldn't understand because I'm such a likable person. <laughs> but um, I've learned, I'm learning to be stronger all the time. As, as things keep getting larger, it's teaching me how to handle this and not putting myself into a stressful situation that puts me in the hospital. Wow. Well, it's, I, I, it's, just, it's just a bump. Absolutely. And I have loved having every one of you here today and you all make me smile and the power of a smile. I will take this with me uh, for a long, long time. Um, each of you are going to get a chance to have your final word today. Okay. Be about anything that we have talked about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with today. Um, when I finish, I'm going to pick you, Marilyn, and then you will pick the next person, and the next person will pick the next person until the final person is left. And don't worry about how do I get out of here. As soon as you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. Uh, there are two things that I want to build upon based on things that I just heard right now. I'm going to start with you, Gina. Um, and you talked about letting other people win. Um, one of my favorite entertainers of all time was and is Leslie Jordan, because that light never be put out. Uh, Leslie Jordan, uh, as you all know, was uh, short um, uh, by... Hollywood standards, he was not your standard leading man. Mm -hmm. um, he was uh, gay. He arrived in Hollywood. And uh, he had uh, a lot of trouble fitting in. Mm -hmm. So he began to drink himself into oblivion. Mm -hmm. uh, he ended up uh, in, um, uh, in a very bad accident, um, which uh, caused him to be put in jail for 120 days. While he was in jail... Uh, he was uh, he began to uh, become sober and his first assignment uh, was uh, to go to AA and he walked into, as he put it, a room of uh, all these butch men. And he walked in and he said the first thing that he said to them was, I am a homosexual and you all may dislike me because of who I am and what I'm all about. But I have to be honest with you if I'm going to be honest with myself and he got honest with who he was and it was like a light bulb going off because at that moment he began to become his authentic self. 
So when he went to his next audition, which was for Ally McBeal, his sponsor from AA said, rather than going in to get the job, walk in the room and say, how can I be of service mm -hmm. to the people that I'm auditioning for? And when I heard that, it changed the way that I look at my life, my career, mm -hmm. and the people that I interact with. How can I be of service to all of you? Uh, and that's why I call my show Richard Skipper Celebrates. It's about celebrating each and every person. And I believe that every day is to be celebrated mm -hmm. when we take the time to do so. The other thing that I want to mention is something that Fleet just said. Uh, again, I was very, very fortunate that I had as a very dear friend, Carol Channing. And one night she was in our car and we were talking and I was very upset about something that had been written about me. Mm -hmm. And she told me that when she was in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, being the toast of Broadway, she was on the cover of Life magazine and Time magazine, only the second actress to do so. The first was Tallulah Bankhead. Uh, she was the toast of Broadway. Everybody loved her. She was getting rave reviews, except for Dorothy Kilgallen. Mm. Dorothy Kilgallen wrote a scathing review about her. Uh -huh. And Dorothy Kilgallen said, I don't get her. I don't understand her success. I don't understand why she's in show business. They should call the show Gentlemen Prefer Amazons because she's like a bull in a china shop. Mm. She began to believe her. And it began to affect her performance. And she began to show up at the theater every night. And she began flubbing her lines. She began bumping into the furniture. And then one night, Anita Luce, who wrote Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, mm -hmm. came to see the show, came backstage and said, what happened? And she told her this. And Anita Luce said, listen, for every person who likes you, there are an equal number who don't mm -hmm. get used to it. And so we need to focus on those that like us. Those who tuned in right now are here because they're here for us. Uh, those that are not here for us, they've got their own agendas and they mm -hmm. have nothing to do with anything mm -hmm. that any of us are doing. I end all of my shows by telling everyone, and I want all of you to do the same thing. Pick up the phone and call someone that you have not spoken to in a long time. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know that how they've made a difference in your life. And trust me, you will make a difference in their lives. We all post about friends and people that we love after they've passed on. Let's do it while they're here. Let's mm -hmm. celebrate each other while we're here to do so. That's my message for everyone. A dear friend of mine says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. <laughs> I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you've got a skipper by your side. And <laughs> I'm going to leave and I'm going to turn so it over to Marilyn. You finish, you'll pick the next person. I love you all. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you. Okay, so I'm I'm up and my 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 thought is one that I've had for a long time, but more now than anything. And that is because we're in a society uh, where we're all called upon to be woke and there's a lot of calling out and judgment and particularly with the internet. And what I wish people would do, and which I try to do, is just look beyond and look at the humanity of each soul. We're all souls. We're all parts of, parts of a larger fabric of life. And I think if we can concentrate on that and see each other as human beings and not what color or what shape or anything like that, it would be we'd, we'd get into a, a much happier world. So that's my thing. And Gina? Well... 
I just want everybody to know if you're ever in Palm Springs, me and Fleet are going to take care of you. <laughs> I was going to ask you. The airport. I'm going to take you to Cheekies. I'm going to I'm going to take you to Oscars. We're going to go and we're going to have a, a good cup of joe at coffee. We're going to have fun. And I'm not even kidding. I would so love to see any one of you come to Palm Springs. And I am the hostess with the mostest. Uh. I'm going <laughs> to repost my, 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 uh, my address in the chat, okay? Please look me up. I would love to have friends come in and visit. Let's do coffee. Let's do coffee. Oh, and I'm going to pick Nancy. Oh, I was just writing my name here in the uh, chat. So, well, anyway, my it's Nancy Hayes Entertainment at Gmail. If anyone wants to say hi, I would love to hear from you. And I plan to be back in Palm Springs next February, probably with my Judy and Liza show. And I'll be in New York at the Word Theater next in 2024, which is actually in Glen Falls. But anyway, a couple of things uh, that play off of what Skipper said. I heard something in a commencement speech recently, and it really hit me profoundly. Don't spend time with those that don't wish you well. I think that as performers, we have low self-esteem a lot of times. If we, we criticize ourselves so much, we're, and we, are, we, we take notes, and we, we take them to heart. But there are people in the world that don't wish us well. And, and it isn't healthy and good to spend time with them because they bring us down, and they also question our make us question ourselves as performers and artists so try to surround yourself with people that you know that want to uplift you and help you to be your best self your best authentic self and another thing i heard recently that really stuck with me is that if you help others make their dreams come true whether they're your children or they're your uh, colleagues friends castmates they'll help you make your dreams come true and you'll be happy together and i think that's those are two thoughts that have stuck with me and I am so happy and privileged to be part of this today. And uh, gosh, I wish I could see both you all perform and the rest of this wonderful group. And I hope I get a chance to meet in the future. So stay in touch with me. <laughs> Take care. If I figure out how to turn my camera off, I will. <laughs> oh. Go ahead, Bobby. She didn't pick anybody, but go ahead. I know. Let's say Prince, go. Oh, oh I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Go ahead, Bob. Go ahead, Bobby. Um, I'm trying to be profound, but I don't think I have anything profound except be in the moment. Be grateful. No matter what the hell you're going through. That's right. And reach out if you need me. That's all. Prince, you're... Well, my motto is to move forward, you must always give back. And that's how I live my life. I'm always giving back. So that's something that we all should live by to have a much happier life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be here with everyone today. I've had such an awesome time. Take care, everyone. Have a beautiful, blessed day or evening, wherever you are in the world.